Hey, I'm Devin Bright, and you're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast, produced by students and staff at the University of Sunny Southern California's Christian Challenge Student Ministry, where we seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives honoring to Him, and make Him known to their community. Learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on social media at USC Christian Challenge. Welcome to Challenge. Hey, welcome everyone. Um, we're glad you're here at Challenge tonight, and I'm excited to be continuing in the uh, series of All In that we've been talking about throughout this semester. And so as we get started, before we kind of jump in on some things, uh, I had a question that I wanted to ask you guys. So uh, those of you that want to kind of answer and you can kind of popcorn in, uh, feel free to unmute yourselves. But I'd like you to do some name dropping. Everyone likes some good name dropping. Who is someone famous that you know, or if you don't know them, maybe you've at least met them. Like, let's hear some pretty impressive name drops. Who's someone famous you know, or at least you've met? Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. All right. Lin-Manuel Miranda. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, I said Will I Am. Will I Am. Oh, there you go. Nice. Pretty famous people. Anyone else? Kanye and Kim in Northwest. Know them or met them? I babysat Northwest one time, so that's why I met them. What? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait, what was that? How are you babysitting Kanye's kids? <laughs> wait, what? Oh, you know, just delay things. That's a conversation for another time, but that'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Ifalola, she's in BuzzFeed, she's in YouTube, she gets around, she knows the stuff. So she probably has a lots of name drops. Um, but tonight, we're going to talk about someone even more famous that you can get to know. Um, but as way of review, uh, to kind of catch you guys up, I know you guys have slept since then, but uh, in this all-in series that we've been talking about, uh, we have been talking about basically what does it look like to be all-in. And these two things that are listed right here on the PowerPoint, this has kind of been a summary of what it would look like. First, we really live our lives to glorify God. And then second, to be all in really means that we live our lives so that others may live. And to really accomplish that second uh, objective, we really must decide that, you know, we're going to become laborers ourselves. And we have to pray that other people would really become laborers. Because as we've talked about, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, the goal of the becoming a laborer is that is really summed up kind of in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Um, the goal is that we want to present every man and every woman complete and fully mature in Christ, meaning really that our character and our way of living really becomes like Christ's. And to do that, we talked about there's at least three things that we need to do. We need to learn to love people. We need to learn to share the gospel of God. And we need to learn to share our own lives if we're going to really accomplish that goal of people help people become fully mature in Christ. And then last week, uh, we ended with this question. We said, what, would, what will you do with your life, and what are you going to invest it in? Are you going to invest it in things that are temporal, or are you going to really choose to invest it in things that are eternal? And just in case you're wondering, uh, there's really only three things that you could invest it in, they're going to last forever. That being God, 
God's word and the souls of people. Everything else you choose to invest your life in is temporal and will eventually end at some point. And so tonight, I want to begin the conversation over the next few weeks, um, talking about what it would look like to accomplish that first objective of being all in, which is to really live our lives to glorify God. Now, if you remember in week one, uh, Neil talked about how glorifying God, that, that word is a word, you know, sometimes people don't understand what that means, but really all it means is that we are revealing God by making him known and living uh, in such a way that our lives really just reflect how amazing God is so that other people have an opportunity to get to know him and really have true life through him. Um, but before we can really reveal who God is and re- before we can even really become a laborer for him, we have to first begin to get to know him um, so that we can learn to trust him and begin to learn to love him. This is something that uh, the Apostle Paul understood really clearly. I mean, if, you had, if you've ever read much of the New Testament or you've uh, been around Christianity very much, uh, what you realize is the Apostle Paul was like the Eagle Scout of laborers for Christ. I mean, this guy was legit. And I mean, he literally wrote the book on how to be a laborer, or at least most of the books in the New Testament on what it means to be a laborer for Christ. And not only that, but he his life was an incredible model of what it looked like to really be all in, to live a life that really glorified God, and to live a life that in such a way that others really would be able to live and know Christ as a result of that. And I don't know about you, but when I come across people that are that passionate about uh, what they're doing, and they're that skilled, and they're that focused, and they're that successful, one of the questions in my mind is, what drives them? You know, what gets them up each day, what motivates them, what keeps them so driven and catalyzes them to be the kind of person that they are? And the answer actually for Paul can be found in one of his letters in the, uh, the letter of Philippians that he wrote to Christians in the city of Philippi. And so in Philippians chapter three, Paul has just finished sort of uh, writing to them and he's basically given this really impressive resume um, and pedigree of all that he's really accomplished and who he is and where he comes from. And in the world's eyes would be a pretty, uh, pretty sweet brag list of things that you could kind of boast about. But however, instead of boasting in those things, or instead of really kind of making that what his life is about and what he pursues, he says this in Philippians 3, uh, verse 7 through 11. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in sufferings becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And what you see from passages like this is what drove Paul to be such an effective laborer um, and what was at the root of his life that really allowed him to bring such glory to God was this insatiable desire 
to really know God. Paul didn't just want to know information about God, like for a test so that he could kind of pass or something, but he wanted to know him intimately and really have a deep relationship with him where he was living life with him. I know for, for myself, um, you know, when, when my oldest daughter, Corey, was born, uh, she's almost six years old now, um, I remember a very similar kind of experience. I remember holding her in my arms for the very first time and thinking, I want to know everything about this girl. You know, I want to know every freckle. I want to know every birthmark. I want to know every crease in her fingers and toes. I want to memorize the shape of her face and eyes and nose. I can't wait to know what the pitch of her voice sounds like, every, you know, tidbit about her personality. I mean, I was obsessed, and I still am. <laughs> and uh, and that that's the flavor of what Paul's talking about here. You know, he had tasted and seen that the Lord was good. Uh, the same thing that the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 8, that he challenges people to is taste and see that the Lord is good. And Paul was hooked. And so this deep desire to know God and to enjoy him and consequently to work with him and love him, that's really what fueled Paul. You know, it, um, everything else kind of funneled out of that. And this is not unique to Paul. Uh, this was actually God's plan from the beginning of time that people would really know him. Uh, if you read in the first few chapters of, of Genesis, uh, what you find is that God, when he first created humanity in his image, his intention was that people would really um, begin to manage the earth that he had created and uh, that they would get married and then they would have children and they would reproduce and form communities and cities and, you know, nations. And all the while, they would be getting to know God and enjoying him and learning from him how to manage this earth that they had been given and how to handle the relationships that he had blessed them with in a way that would um, be most effective, in a way that would really honor him, in a way that would really bless them. But the first humans, Adam and Eve, you know, they were deceived by Satan. And, and so they chose to disobey God and go their own way. And as a result, they broke that intimate relationship that humanity had with God. And one of the themes throughout the rest of the Old Testament of the Bible is this story about how God is pursuing humanity despite their sin and trying to help restore them uh, back into a relationship with him. Not because you and I are that amazing, but because God is really that great and he loves us dearly. You know, in fact, before humanity, uh, or before God made humanity, God was not lonely. Did you know that? He wasn't lonely. In fact, he was experiencing a perfect community and relationship within, you know, the Trinity of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You know, one God and three persons with one nature. And one of the reasons God created you know, you and me and all of humanity is he wanted us to have a taste of that perfect community, that perfect relationship that had already existed before time began. You know, it's kind of like having kids. Um, you know, Katie and I, my wife, we, we've been married, we've been married 12 years this April. And, uh, you know, we've had a really enjoyable relationship. And so years ago, we decided um, that We've enjoyed it so much, we wanted to bring kids into that relationship. And so currently we have, you know, my daughter that I mentioned earlier, Corey, she'll, she's five years old and 
We have a three-year-old son named William. And then our daughter, Ruth, is almost one-year-old. And she is currently crawling now, so watch out. Um, but, you know, we decided to have these kids because we wanted them to come and grow up within this kind of environment of this relationship between Katie and I that we really enjoyed. Um, but we were not lonely before we had kids and neither was God lonely before he made humanity. And so God's story of his pursuit of us really climaxed in history when God really stepped out of heaven and stepped onto earth in the form of Jesus Christ and lived among us so that we might have a second chance at knowing him and being in a relationship with him. And then eventually, you know, Jesus died uh, for our sins and then rose from the dead three days later, thereby making a way not only for our sins to be forgiven and bridging the gap between us and God, but allowing us a second chance to really know him intimately, if we would choose to put our full trust in him and follow him. And God did this because he longs for us to know him and be in relationship with him. And, you know, just think about that for a second. Have you ever had someone pursue you that diligently? That wasn't crazy. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, you know, and what, what I found over the years and the staff and other people I'm sure could attest to the same thing is the more you really get to know God, the more you begin to trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you want to follow him. And the more you follow him and want to spend time with him. And it's kind of this snowball effect over time uh, as you get to know him. Now, God, you know, one of the reason for that is, is God's not like many of us who are good from far, but far from good. I mean, the closer you get to God, uh, the better he looks and the better he gets. I mean, and just think, just think how amazing that is. The God who created you and me and created the universe and the stars, he actually wants us to get to know him, not just generally, but personally. And we actually have a chance to really call him father. And in fact, uh, Jesus said in John 17, three, um, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to the father and he says, you know, real, a relationship with him and a relationship with the father, that's actually when eternal life really begins. Uh, eternal life, contrary to some people's opinion, is not a destination. Eternal life starts with the relationship. And uh, it starts when we begin a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, all of us are going to experience eternal existence. I mean, you can't help that. You know, we're, we're, we're made in God's image. We're eternal beings. So the question is, will you, is not whether you will exist forever. The question is whether you're actually going to experience eternal life uh, through knowing God. And the great thing is, every single one of us is invited to do that. No matter what your past has looked like, no matter what you've done, because God's not choosing to relate to us based on our track record. He's choosing to relate to us based on what Jesus did for us on the cross. If we're willing to accept his invitation to trust and follow him. And so knowing God, not only is that incredibly beneficial for us personally, but it's also essential for us if we're going to glorify him with our lives and be effective laborers for him. And Jesus knew this as well, which is why in Mark 3.14, it says about Jesus, uh, at the beginning of his ministry, it says he appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, 
Before Jesus ever gave uh, his followers a mission to accomplish, he called them to be with him. He wanted them to know him, to be with him. And he wanted them to spend time with him, to learn from him. Because Jesus knew that the only way they were going to have the skill and the character they needed to be able to accomplish what he had called them to is if they were with him. And so what were the results of these apostles getting to spend, you know, all this amount of time with Jesus? Well, let's fast forward over to Acts 4.13, which is about, you know, three plus years after Jesus first called his apostles to him. And the setting of this is after Jesus, it's after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, after he's gone back to heaven and after he's appointed, you know, his uh, disciples to really carry out the mission of beginning to make more followers of Jesus, more disciples. And the setting is Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest uh, disciples, they're standing before these religious leaders known as the Sanhedrin, the same religious leaders that had Jesus crucified. And they're being questioned about a crippled person that they had healed. And so Peter, it says, being filled with the Spirit, basically uh, his reply is, we healed this man by the power of Jesus. The same Jesus, by the way, that you all crucified. Silence. You know, you can hear a pin drop and you're like, uh, should I have said that? And then it says in Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's amazing. You know, these ordinary men who didn't have the fancy religious education, uh, who didn't have, you know, this noteworthy pedigree of accomplishments, they were standing in front of the top religious leaders of the land, And they caused these men to have their mouth wide open in astonishment because as they observed Peter and John's courage and their actions, they could not help but seem to think, wow, these people resemble Jesus so much. You know, they were amazed by it, that these ordinary men resemble Jesus. And the reason was, is because they had gotten to know Jesus. They'd gotten to learn from him. They'd gotten to imitate him and follow him for the last three years. And so... You know, question to think is, do you think situations like that uh, really bring glory to God when they resemble in character and in action Jesus to all these people? You know, I think so, you know, and just think that started with them beginning to get to know and begin to get invested in and spend time with Jesus, you know, several years earlier. And so how do you get to know God? That's what I want us to talk about for the, for the remainder of our time tonight. Um, I'd like to give you three practical suggestions uh, of how you could begin to get to know God. Uh, three suggestions that I know actually work because these are things I do and these are things other people do. And over the years, as I put these into practice, I've gotten to know God and I'm still getting to know God. And so I think these would be helpful for you as well. Um, so suggestion number one is this. Get to know people who already know God. Get to know people who already know God. You know, if you were wanting to get to know me, one of the things you'd probably do is you get to know my wife, you get to know my kids, you would get to know close friends and family of mine, and you'd probably learn a whole lot of information about me by just doing that. So practically what that looks like is buy up opportunities to get to know and ask questions of people who already have a relationship with God. 
And, you know, a couple places you could begin to do that is right here on Thursday Night Challenge, um, you know, getting to know people in this group. Or, you know, throughout the week, if you're an upperclassman, being plugged in with the life group. Or if you're a freshman, being plugged in with Freshman Connection. And if you're not connected to one of those, well, ask someone who is and get connected. But I'd encourage you, you know, don't just get connected in the group level, but begin to connect with these people personally. You know, do life with them. Get some time individually or in even smaller pockets with some of these people and begin to get to know them and then ask them questions about their walk with God. And I guarantee you'll begin to get to know God better. And also being a part of a local church is another way you can begin to get around other people who already know God. So that's suggestion number one, you know, get to know people who already know God if you want to get to know Him. Suggestion number two, take some unhurried time to observe and enjoy what God has created. Take some unhurried time to enjoy and observe what God has created. You know, for you guys, that's going to mean more than just girls. I know that you already observe and enjoy girls. Um, so we're talking beyond that. Uh, but just like you can learn about, you know, a painter from looking at his paintings, uh, you can also, you know, learn about a filmmaker by watching his movies in the same way you can get to know things about God by observing and enjoying his creation. You know, Paul wrote in Romans 1, 19 through 20, he says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible nature is clearly presented to their understanding through what has been made. So as you take time, unhurried time to get outside and to enjoy, you know, the mountains or the ocean or, you know, just observe you know, plants and trees, and just get some time outside of the stars at night if you can find them, if you're in LA, um, or even just people watch. Uh, you'll realize all sorts of things about who God is just from observing those things. For instance, you know, you realize that God is incredibly smart and powerful when you look at the complex organisms like human beings that he has made, or the massive things like planets that he has made. Um, or, you know, you also seem see that God, he, he loves variety. I mean, when you look at the different variants of flowers or insects or people, I mean, if it was up to me, there would be maybe two flowers or maybe one in two different colors. And there'd probably be no insects. You know, I just, I'm just not that creative, you know, but God, he loves variety, you know, and you also observe from his creation that he is a God who really cares. I mean, he not only has set things up such to, that human beings are really taken care of, but he makes sure that random plants and fish and animals that we've never even seen before are provided for and taken care of. I mean, in your, in your busy week this week, how many of you really exerted much energy or mental effort wondering if the birds and the insects in your city were really fed and taken care of? Anybody? God did. You know, and in fact, not only did he do that, but he was working on much more macro levels like international relations or people's individual hearts or marriages. And yet God cares about even the small things, you know, because that's just who he is. And, you know, for me personally, um, living here in Southern California, one of my favorite things to do to really observe and enjoy God's creation is I love going to the beach um, I like the mountains too, but if I had a preference, I'm more of a beach guy. And, you know, I, I love going to the beach and I love walking 
uh, along the sand and I, and just observing how massive the ocean is. And especially when it's like really strong wave days and just seeing how powerful the waves are that are coming in. And it reminds me of passages like Isaiah 40 verse 12, where, you know, God basically says he holds the entire amount of water in the world in the palm of his hand. And, uh, you know, for me, when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed, I love to go to the beach to be visually reminded of how big and powerful God is. And for me, that really helps, you know, and I, I begin to get to know things more about who God is as a result of that. So that's suggestion number two, begin to take some unhurried time to observe and enjoy what God has created. And then my third and final suggestion, um, and really I believe kind of is the most primary way you're going to get to know God, uh, is to personally spend time with him, to personally spend time with him. Um, This is the main way you get to know me. It's the main way you get to know anybody is you spend time with them. And it's the best way you're going to get to know God. You know, one key way that I began to do this, and and many Christians have over the years, um, is by developing the habit of what, you know, of daily time in God's word, which is the Bible, and then also spending time just daily talking to him, which in the Bible would be called prayer. And challenge, you might hear this referred to as a quiet time or time alone with God. Uh, Now, this is something all of you can do, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, If you're a Christian, this is really helpful because it allows you to get to know God better and to begin to become more like him as you follow him. And if you aren't a Christian, um, this really allows you to begin to get to know more about who God is, to decide if you do want to get to know more and choose to really entrust yourself to him and begin to follow him. Um, to help you better understand some more of kind of what might go into some time alone with God to give you a little bit of like a taste of what, you know, could go involved in that time. Jack is actually going to post a PDF in the chat right now that you guys can click on and download and have that for yourself. And I'm going to walk through some of that here in the slides as well, but just so you guys have a physical copy of that, that you might want to use, you know, if you're, uh, having a quiet time in the future, or you want to help someone else begin to have a quiet time or time alone with God. Um, but basically, it doesn't have to be this formulaic, but just, just kind of lays out some of the steps. But basically, it uses the acronym PRAY. Now, if you can spell the word PRAY, you are halfway there to memorizing this acronym. And I, 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 I trust that you guys are all smart people. You can do that. So the P in the acronym of PRAY actually stands for the word PRAY. Um, you know, during this time, one of the things is you come before God is take some time just to be able to um, focus your mind on God by, by bringing before him all the things that are filling up your mind. Otherwise, you know, you might have some real exciting things. Well, tell, talk to God about that. There may be some really scary things, maybe some, some real hurts, you know, maybe related to your health or a relationship. Well, bring those before God. He wants to hear those, you know, ask for his help. Um, there may be some bad attitudes or habits that you've been, you know, harboring or into, and you need to confess that and just ask for God's forgiveness and help to move beyond that. But take some time there just to pray and get to connect with him. And as you do that, ask him to really speak to you through the scriptures so that you can really begin to better know him and know his will. Um, in Jeremiah 33, three, God says, call to me 
and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And so let's take God up on his promise there. He says he'll do it, so why not ask him? Um, And then the R in the acronym of PRAY stands for READ. And really, uh, during this time, I just encourage you, choose a short portion of the Bible to begin to read. It may be a few verses. It may be a paragraph. Maybe it's a chapter. Um, It's helpful if it's at least a whole thought or a whole story so you don't miss out on key details or totally take things out of context. Um, And then, you know, after you initially read it, you know, begin to take some time to reread certain chunks uh, uh, that you're reading so that you can begin to eventually move on to the next step of analyzing it. But if you don't know where to start to read, maybe you haven't ever done it or done it a long time, I'd encourage you, you know, start with maybe one of the Gospels in the New Testament, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or maybe start with one of the letters that follow after that. Um, And read kind of a full letter over time or full book, you know, uh, maybe don't spot around like wherever the page falls, blows open. That's the, what I'm going to read. Yeah, you'll get, you'll probably get confused. Um, so the R is read, you know, then the A is uh, after you begin to take some time to pray and read, you know, analyze and apply. And here, you know, you're doing a couple of things. One, uh, begin to make observations of what you're reading. You know, for me, I like to uh, scribble in the margins of my Bible, um, little observations, or maybe you like to keep a journal and do that. I've done that over the years too. And, but make observations. And this is where you want to spend the majority of your time is just in getting to know God is make observations because uh, this will really help in the next step of just interpretation. You know, this is where you really begin to ask the question, what did the author intend this to mean to his original audience? What did the author intend this to mean to his original audience? That's much different then what does this mean to me? Because that is not what the author intended it to mean. And so figure out what did this mean to the author and to his original audience. Um, And then from there, you can begin to move over to application. And that's where you really begin to ask the question of how should the truth of what I've read really begin to change the way I think and act? You know, now that I've begun to know this thing about God or his ways or how he's structured me in life, what do I do with it? Um, and so on the right side of that PDF that I gave you guys is, uh, another acronym called space pets. And those are kind of a list of questions. And those are really great questions when you're kind of observing, trying to make observations and applications. Um, and for me over the years, you know, I, I started using this a long time ago to the point now that I don't necessarily use these questions because they've been kind of ingrained in my mind. I just kind of naturally look for those things. But until so, this is a really helpful thing, maybe just to keep on the inside of your Bible. And uh, as you're reading things, just kind of read and then reread it and run it through these questions and see what comes up. Um, things like, you know, is there a sin to confess and repent of? Uh, you know, is there a promise to claim? Um, and then maybe if there is a promise to claim, have you met the conditions? Because there are some promises that God is just going to do no matter what. There are some that he says, if you'll live this way, I will give you this kind of thing or do this kind of thing. So look for that. You know, is there an attitude to change? Maybe um, there's a real positive attitude that you're reading about that you need to emulate. Or maybe there's a real negative one that's pointing out that you need to stop. Um, Is there a command to obey? 
Um, and, and are you willing to choose to obey? You know, is there an example to follow? I mean, there's going to be sometimes you'll read that you think, wow, that person is so courageous or so honest or so selfless. I want to be like that. God, would you help me? Or boy, that person is so wicked or, you know, they're such a coward. God, I don't want to act like that. Help me not do that. You know, um, or if, you know, even jump down to the end, uh, is there a truth to believe? Um, and truth to believe about myself, truth to believe about God, you know, or how he's designed certain areas of life. And so that's a great step, uh, question you can begin to use and sort of that analyze and apply. And then the last part of the prayer acronym is yield. Yield. Um, this is where you really decide, you know, I'm going to surrender to God in the area that he's spoken to me about as I've been reading the Bible here. Um, and I'm going to really ask for his power to really follow through on that. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, the blessing in life really comes not just in the information, but in the application of what you're, you're reading and hearing. So, you know, choose to yield to God's way on that. Um, and, I, and I'd encourage you, you want to remember in all this, we are not meeting with the habit. We are meeting with the person. You know, we are meeting with the God who created you. And just like, you know, uh, a way that I can really show um, and prioritize my relationship with my wife is by having sort of planned date nights or planned dates. You know, this is another way you can really prioritize time with God is that you have some planned time alone with him. Not that you're not going to ever spend other time with him, but you know that this time is set apart just for him and you to get some time together. Um, and so start where you're at, you know, because this really, as you get to know God, what it's going to really be, it's going to be the first step for you to really begin to trust him and to love him. And ultimately, what we've talked about, being able to glorify him with your life and really labor with him. Um, so start where you're at. You know, if, if you're a, a more of a morning person or, you know, do it in the mornings. You know, if you're more of an evening person, do it in the evenings. But whatever you do, I'd encourage you put it in your schedule if it's going to actually happen. Because as you all know, if it doesn't get in your schedule, it won't get in your life. Um, for me personally, I found that doing it in the mornings has been most effective for me over the years. Um, partly because um, I have less people trying to get a hold of me in the morning and I'm just more focused and alert and stuff like that. But let's say if you did want to start in the mornings, do something very simple. You know, don't change your wake up time. Or, or don't, or drastically anyway. But if you're someone who gets up at seven, or you're someone that gets up eleven, whatever it is, you know, uh, practice just getting up fifteen to thirty minutes earlier than that time, you know, and take that time just to spend time getting to know God through His Word. And I promise you, your your grades and your health will not fall apart if you lose fifteen to thirty minutes of sleep each night. Um, and if you're convinced that they will. And just go to bed 15 and 30 minutes earlier. But I will guarantee you, though, that 15 to 30 minutes will be uh, the most formative time of your day as you begin to get to know God and as you begin to get to know things about him. Because just as Paul and countless others could attest to, there is nothing that compares to beginning to get to know God. Um, so I'd encourage you to begin embarking on you know, really life's greatest privilege, which is beginning to get to know the God who created you and loves you dearly. And then in the following weeks, one of the things that we're going to be talking about um, is what are some other steps, you know, with knowing God being kind of foundational, what are other steps that really can begin to help us 
live a life that really glorifies God so that we can really be going that much closer to really being all in with their lives. Um, so let me pray for us. And then Audrey is going to lead us in a little bit more worship. So, Father, thank you for um, the fact that not only are you um, interested in taking care of us, but you're interested in knowing us and us knowing you. Um, God, there is nothing for you to really gain from us knowing you, but there is everything for us to gain from knowing you. And so, God, would we not be distracted by all the other sparkly things that you have made and miss out on getting to know the maker of all those things and the maker of us and living life uh, with you. And so I really do pray um, that if there are people here that have never begun that to embark on a journey of getting to know you, that they would do that today. And for those that have, God, would they continue to taste and see that you're good and begin to enjoy you and learn to love you and trust you even more as they follow you. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can subscribe to and listen to new and archive episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you heard, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. A like, a subscribe, a comment helps us reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Christian Challenge.